Going back to the day I asked my teacher what it would take to work at NASA, his response was that he laughed, which I don't know, I guess isn't surprising. A lot of people don't expect anyone to get out of a place like Canyonville. I guess I had been told that I wouldn't accomplish much my whole life. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, and thank you for joining us for fresh perspectives on issues and events with experts, community leaders, and everyday people who are driving change and making an impact that shapes our society and world. The show is co-hosted by Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston. Our guests today are Sandy Cummings and Charity Woodrum. I want to give you some background, listeners, because it's important to lay some groundwork and some foundation to understand the powerful story that you're going to hear today from both of these individuals. Sandy Cummings is the producer, director, and writer of a movie that's going to be shown through the St. Louis International Film Festival. Sandy's an award-winning broadcast journalist with three National Emmy Awards, Columbia DuPont Award, Edward R. Murrow Award, Overseas Press Club, several Gabriel Awards, and other numerous nominations. And with more than 20 years of experience working for NBC News as a senior producer and as a producer predominantly for Dateline NBC, She's covered breaking news, investigative stories, legal stories, entertainment, medical stories, spent years producing long-form programs for the network before venturing out on her own. And some of the stories that Sandy has told include 9-11, the massacre at Columbine, Hurricane Katrina, the O.J. Simpson trial, Nazis hiding in plain sight in Canada, more and more. And while she's had the pleasure of telling stories of famous people, what she loves most is the stories of ordinary people overcoming extraordinary challenges like Charity Woodrum. And Charity, she grew up in rural Oregon, one of eight children. She was the first in her family to graduate from high school. And when life was crazy for her at home, she found peace outside looking up at the night sky. She excelled in math one day, asked her junior high school teacher what it would take for her one day to work for NASA. We're going to let her give you that answer. And early in 2017, she was married and had a three-year-old son. She left her nursing degree and career to pursue her dream of becoming an astrophysicist. She was a junior at the University of Oregon, had completed a NASA internship, and was thriving when she tragically lost her husband and son. And with tremendous support from mentors, old friends, perfect strangers, she was able to get her life and her dream back on track. She completed her master's in astronomy and astrophysics and is currently a Ph.D. candidate at the University of Arizona working as part of the James Webb Space Telescope team. Ladies, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Sandy, many stories to make a film documentary. What captured you about Charity's story? What really captured me about Charity's story was hearing about her background and how she grew up in this really quite dysfunctional family in poverty and to hear what she was doing now after all that she had been through. I just found her story to be really inspiring to me on a personal level. And I just felt like it would inspire so many people on different levels from pursuing their own dreams to overcoming challenges and finding purpose again in life after something awful happens. And after meeting with Charity, we both found that we had the same goal, which was really to try to help others in some way by sharing her stories. 
I approached her and after several conversations, she said, okay, of course, it's scary to have your life up there on a big screen for strangers to see. And so it's a vulnerable place to be. And she's just one of the strongest, most courageous people I know. And so I was thrilled when she agreed to let me help her tell her story. And Charity, that is some extreme vulnerability to see yourself up on the big screen and all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Can you fill in some of the gaps, uh, especially let's go back maybe to your junior high school day when you ask your teacher that particular question and uh, also go forward for our listeners? Yeah, I guess going back to the day I asked my teacher what it would take to work at NASA, his response was that he laughed which I don't know, I guess isn't surprising. A lot of people don't expect anyone to get out of a place like Canyonville. I guess I had been told that I wouldn't accomplish much my whole life, so it stopped affecting me eventually. But And then I guess, yeah, going on to meeting Sandy, I was very hesitant to say yes to the film for obvious reasons, and I just wasn't very comfortable with the idea of getting in front of a camera and being so vulnerable and everything. But eventually, Sandy and also the director of photography, Tom, and I became very close friends. And eventually, it didn't feel like I was in front of a camera anymore. I just felt like I was talking to my good friend, Sandy and Tom. And so I think that's why I was able to do it, because I had grown so close to them. You know, anytime I was crying on camera, Tom was crying behind the camera. So we've just developed this very strong friendship over the years of filming. That that's an interesting point and a question I was going to ask, how long, and this is for both of you, how long did it take, number one, to establish the relationship to a point where you felt comfortable being on camera, and then how long did it take to complete the film? Yeah, I think, what what year did we start? Was that 2019? It was. Yeah, and we had one interview in 2019, but then COVID happened actually and delayed things. And through through those years, through that delay, I just really got to know Tom and Sandy really well. We also would go on road trips together a lot and would have dinner every night and we spent all day together. So I think we became friends quite quickly. And the film has been received <laughs> extremely well, I would say, in my opinion. As, as I'm looking at things, 11 film festivals and counting with several as the film being selected as the official selection for the film festival. Once it was mentioned as the most inspirational, another one from the best Southern Oregon feature. And give a little synopsis of the film. I know you mentioned it's about Charity's life and the encouragement that others can get from it. And without giving a lot of the film away, give us a little synopsis of the film, if you would. Sure. The film follows Charity's journey really from childhood. We were so fortunate because she had a collection of amazing photographs and some home videos that helped me to construct a part of her life that was in the past. But it basically follows her through her childhood growing up in poverty in this teeny tiny town in Canyonville, Oregon, through this wild journey of meeting her husband, which at times is very funny and a little crazy, <laughs> but their love story is just beautiful. And we're with her as she she becomes a nurse and then decides that she wants to go back to school to study physics. And at that point, she's 
older than the other kids. She's married and she's nine months pregnant <laughs> when she decides to go back. So she has her child and life is great. She's thriving. And then she loses Jason and Woody tragically. And she is there, which is just horrifying. And after that, her life really, and Charity, correct me if I get any of this wrong, but her life really is thrown into chaos. And there are questions of how do I, what do I do now? The life that I thought I was going to have is gone. And just to see the old friends, these are friends from her Canyonville days who she hasn't really stayed in super close touch with over the years, just all gather around her. And perfect strangers step up and become mentors. And her mentor at the University of Oregon um, just steps in and says, this is the one place in your life where nothing has changed. And that really, she has said it was life-changing for her. And it doesn't take away the grief. It doesn't take away the pain. But it gave her purpose again and something to focus on other than or in addition to this terrible loss and really just seeing where she went from that and all that she has accomplished is just it's amazing it would be as her professor said it would be amazing for anybody to accomplish what she has but to have done it with all of this other stuff going on in her life really is what sets her apart and Something that I think is important to mention, too, is that we certainly don't want to put the message out there that everybody who goes through something terrible needs to achieve some huge goal. They need to become a brain surgeon or an astrophysicist. Everybody deals with grief in a different way. Uh, but this is what she did. And, and And the main message really is what a difference we can all make in somebody else's life, whether it's doing some huge gesture or something simple. Charity talks about how after she calls it the worst day, she wasn't eating. And just to have a friend come and bring dinner regularly, a healthy meal made, it just meant the world. So that's part of the message really is just, we hope that people will be kinder to each other, that they'll find purpose after going through difficult things and just we are we're all in it together so that really is i think one of the main messages in the film charity did that surprise you the support that you received oh yes absolutely and yeah that was my favorite part of the film that sandy portrayed very well was showing all of the support that i received i did not expect it at all and of course in the film you only get to see part of it and there were so many more people that we couldn't even include that came to help people the kindness of complete strangers was honestly a shock as well. And then my childhood best friends, I don't, they had never had to help someone go through something like that. And somehow they knew exactly what I needed and they knew exactly how to support me. And so they're the real heroes of the film. And then of course, like I said, the kindness of strangers was just shocking. And some of those strangers are now my closest friends. So I guess I would ask this in the realm of total strangers, what does it take for a total stranger to support someone who's going through a process of grief and provide encouragement or any kind of uplifting to them? What does it take? How do, how do you understand that as someone who received 
those benefits from someone like that? Yeah, I would say some strangers did. Some people donated to a GoFundMe, which helped me support me to go back to school. The person who set up that GoFundMe was a complete stranger. She just saw my story on the news because it made national news and just felt called to help. And so I think people just see other humans experiencing tragedy like this and they just feel called to help. And so the smallest thing in some ways, some people did things very small and then other people did things quite huge like this woman who set up the GoFundMe. She also introduced me to one of her good friends who had lost some of her children as well. And so that person eventually became basically my mentor through grief. She started out as a complete stranger and now she's one of my closest friends. That's incredible. Someone who's a total stranger. Now I'm going to flip the coin over. Someone who you knew very well, who is an encouragement, Dr. Fisher. Yes. Discuss what he did to help you through this time and get you back towards your goal of being an astrophysicist. Yeah. So when after the worst day, of course, I stopped going to school and everything. And eventually I decided that I wanted to go back to school. And and Dr. Fisher had been in contact with me via email. And so we set up a meeting and he told me that he noticed that, of course, my life had been turned completely upside down. And that if I needed a place that was stable, that was still the same before as it would be now, that could be the place for me, my little research group with him. And so I told him that I wanted to go back to school and to resume our research together. We were working on a paper um, to submit to the Astrophysical Journal. And so he worked it out. He went to my one of my physics professors and she said that I could finish my class that I was taking through independent study over the summer so that I didn't have to delay my graduation by an entire year. And also at the University of Oregon, professors from all the departments that I had taken classes in, like the community computer science department, the mathematics department, they all donated money to this big fund, which paid for the memorial service. And they hosted it at the U of O, and I didn't have to pay for a single thing. And, and then, of course, all of the students at the University of Oregon, they supported me as well. But it was really Dr. Fisher who enabled all of that to happen. And our relationship was purely professional, really. And so he didn't really, I think it was hard for him to have to cross over that professional boundary and really do something for his students' very personal life. But I'm glad that he did because it's, I don't know what I would have done without that. And and he knows that now. And I think it's changed the way he mentors students now as well. I noticed in the trailer, he became very emotional when he was talking about your situation. And it's great to see that teachers have continued empathy like this. You mentioned mentoring several times, and I see that Sandy would also be a mentor in your life because we glean mentors from a variety of different sources because sometimes at different times of life, different people happen to come into our lives. And Sandy, as you're taking all of this in about her story and you end up writing this, you end up producing this, you end up directing this, how do you go about compiling all this together and put it into some form? Now, you've done this for many years, so it's probably very easy But describe for the layman out there how you go about the process of putting this particular film together. Sure. I started with Charity, and we spoke by phone a number of times and met in person before we ever started filming. And I asked her, it's like a pre-interview where you ask who are the people who are the most important 
in your life for me to talk to. And she gave me this very long list of, <laughs> of people. And so I spoke with them all by phone. So I had a good sense of what they would say and what their connection was to charity and what their role was in her life. So I started with that and then figured out which of those would advance the story so that I didn't have five people who said similar things. I would pick one person who represented each different part, or in some cases, two people, if it was her old friends from Canyonville. And then I do all of the interviews and come back and watch them, get them transcribed, pick out the best sound bites, the best bits and pieces. And I always compare it to quilting in a way. It's like you have all of these different colorful pieces that you have to stitch together to make a quilt that tells a story. So the colorful pieces come together to make it a separate picture, in essence, and hopefully a full picture. So I go through all of the interviews and then think about all of the visuals that accompany those. And there were, there were some things that we did where they were unpredictable. We went back to certain locations and were really very much in the moments in those. And so I didn't know what those would be like or whether or not they would even happen. And when you see the full film, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But and you basically write around all of the sound that you've gathered, the sound in the picture, and then you basically write the interstitial pieces to tie it all together. And we decided that Charity would be the narrator because it's her life and her story. And that just made more sense than having the third person narrating her experience. So then we go into an edit room and we worked with a wonderful editor I've known for more than 20 years, Diana. She is meeting us today and we do these festivals together and just have a great time. But anyway, so Diana and I then start with a rough cut. And after the rough cut, we actually gathered together a small focus group to see what their feedback was. And based on their feedback, we made some changes, nothing terribly dramatic, but made some changes, made it stronger. And we were so fortunate we were able to get funding from a scientific organization called the Heising Simons Foundation. They normally fund research and Yale, MIT, things like that. But they believe strongly in the power of storytelling. And because of Charity's connection to astrophysics, they thought this would be really powerful, especially for women in science. That message is pretty strong in the film. And so they gave us enough funding that we were actually able to hire a wonderful music composer named Alexandra Harwood. And yeah. she scored all creatures great and small and the Guernsey literary and potato peel pie society film. She's fantastic. And it's the first time I've ever had enough of a budget to be able to hire a composer who writes the music to each scene. And it just elevated the quality of the film tremendously. So that was amazing. And, um, once we finished, we started submitting it to film festivals, and that's where we are now. And the reception has been unbelievable. It has just been great. And 
it's interesting too because Diana and I both our backgrounds are in television. So we don't often Diana had never really met a person whose story she was helping tell because she's in her little dark edit room <laughs> putting the stories together. And so for her it's just been a joy getting to meet Charity and also getting to see how the work has been received by live audiences because that's just something that is outside of our normal realm. So it's just been really wonderful. And the audiences all fall in love with charity, of course. And the questions after the screenings have been really thoughtful and meaningful. I don't want to speak for charity, but they've been meaningful to all of us. Charity, in layman's terms, how do you describe astrophysics for someone who struggled to understand physics, let alone (laughs) astrophysics? Honestly, it's one of humanity's oldest sciences, I would say, because since the beginning of humanity, we've been looking up at the night sky and wondering about our place in the universe. And so astrophysics is just exploring those most fundamental questions we have, like, how did we get here and are we alone? So that's my short answer. (laughs) Okay. And, And what are you currently working on at the University of Arizona in your PhD program? And is that's combined with NASA, correct? Yes. So my PhD advisor, Marcia Riki, she built the main camera on the James Webb Space Telescope. And so I'm part of the JWST science team and recently released my first paper written with JDA data. Um, and so, yeah, both ground-based telescopes and space-based telescopes to study the uh, evolution of galaxies over time. My Yeah. So my particular interest is in galaxies and how they form stars, and also why they stopped forming stars. And both of you have mentioned a little bit, I know, Sandy, you did, about one of the themes that goes through the film is STEM, and a component for encouraging women in STEM and getting mentorship. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, I think you said it. I think the biggest thing that's helped me survive as a woman in STEM is is mentorship. And it's not always women who are mentoring. Obviously, Dr. Fisher was an amazing mentor for me. And it's also finding peer mentors because the other women in my program have been such a huge source of support, as well as not just women, other students as well. And in the film, you do get to meet some of my fellow students who have been incredibly supportive as well through this whole process. Supportive in my science career, but also in my personal life as well. And so I think just finding connection with others has really helped me. It it will be a huge part of the acknowledgements in my thesis. Sandy, how do you deal with stories that really drain you personally and emotionally, like this one, I'm sure, has done? But over the course of your career, You've been involved in some pretty heavy stories, and I'm sure it gives you hope in mankind and how how people can be kind and loving and caring, even when they don't know people, as is demonstrated in this particular film. But how, how do you personally deal with all of the things that you see and report on? Oh, boy, that's a really good question. I walk my dog. <laughs> I hike. I I get out in nature as much as I can when I'm working on a story like this one, especially now that I know Charity so well. I feel it's woven into my life. I think about it a lot. I think about it in the middle of the night and really just try to focus on the positive aspects and the strength that comes through 
in all of these stories. When it's something like 9-11, it can be hard to find that. But then you hear the stories about the people who really came through and helped each other. And so I think just trying to find the good in whatever awful, the awfulness of the story, looking for those little bits of light and the good people who are out there making a difference is really the the way that I stay sane. Charity, you have mentioned several times about support and mentorship. I'm going to read a sentence that you wrote. You say, my journey into astrophysics all started while I was pregnant with my son. I wanted to be the best version of myself as a mother, and that meant pursuing my biggest dreams, even if they seemed impossible at the time. I needed him to see me at least try. I don't think you can heal from losing a child. Eventually, the pain just becomes part of you, and you carry it with you. What you can do is find reasons to keep going on. On my hardest days, what keeps me going is that even if he's not here to see it, I'm still his mother. And I still need to be the best version of myself for him. With this documentary, I hope people can watch and find their own reasons to keep going through their hardest days. How can you keep going? You you make that statement. But from someone who's not experienced that, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, I think there's a lot of components to resilience. And like you said, the hugest part is community and having support from other people, which includes mentors and friends. It's also finding something to be part of that feels bigger than you. So astronomy does that for me. And astronomy is also a distraction at times. So I'm not just always thinking about my grief. It can also come in the form of helping others. I think a lot of people who experience tragedy and grief find purpose in helping others. So that's certainly something I've done as well by being doing some humanitarian aid volunteer work. And then also just having fun too. You have to find joy again. And that's something that my grief mentor, I would call her, find joy again. And so right now, the thing that's bringing me the most joy is I'm learning to um, fly airplanes. (laughs) So that's been really fun. And it's been a huge source of joy. And I can't think about anything else other than flying the plane. Um, So that's been a huge help for me as well, just finding joy again. There are some websites, folks, that you need to be aware of that involve both of these individuals that we're talking to, Sandy Cummings and Charity Woodrum. And before I get into those, though, Charity, would you talk about Woody Stars, what that program is? It's a great program, but I want you to outline it for listeners so they can contribute also. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, So after one of our first screenings, one of the audience members approached Sandy and said, what's the call to action? She felt like she wanted to help in some way. And so Sandy and I had dinner one night and she told me about this person who wanted, felt called to act and what could we do to help others? And that's when we came up with the idea to honor my son, Woody, we came up with this enrichment fund and mentorship program. And we brought the idea back to this audience member and she said, I'm all in. And she even came up with the name Woody Stars. And so we'll provide an enrichment fund for students as well as mentorship. And Dr. Fisher will be one of the mentors. I will be one of the mentors. And we are encouraging people who have been historically excluded from STEM to apply. And we'll soon be um, picking our first student. And we're really excited about that. They'll be starting at the unit. We're choosing somebody that will start at the University of Oregon so they can be close to Dr. Fisher. 
And yeah, the student will just get mentorship from both him and I, and we'll also be able to provide them with some funding, um, all in honor of my son, Woody. That's unbelievable. And folks, you can go to Woody's Stars, W-O-O-D-Y-S-S-T-A-R-S.org, Woody'sStars.org. Also, the movie Space Hope and Charity can be found at SpaceHopeCharityFilm.com. Charity has a website also, CharityWoodrum.com. And Sandy has a website, TVStoryteller.com. You can see these all in the show notes. I will post these, folks. And the movie, the documentary will be shown in St. Louis. And you can get information and tickets on that. You can go to cinemastlouis.org and go to the St. Louis International Film Festival, and you can get some tickets there. Hearing things like this just wear me out. (laughs) I, I don't know how else to say that because we all have individual situations that we deal with. And people who listen to this, whether they're going to listen on the radio or through the podcast, they've all been through different kinds of situations and may be going through a situation or will be going through a situation. And I think one of the encouragements I think that both of you ladies bring are some of the repeated words that you mentioned. You can help other people who are going through situations like this. You can find purpose after difficult times. And the support network that you have, you may not have one, but people will be there. And give some closing words to people before they go to watch the film. And maybe they're not able to see that, and maybe they can catch part of it online. But Sandy and Charity, would you give some encouraging thoughts to uh, listeners as we close out this program? Oh, boy. Yes. I'm just thinking about when you mention people helping each other in these situations. I'm thinking about a woman who was a complete stranger to Charity She's the one who had heard about her story through the news. And this woman was fearful of reaching out as a total stranger, and she did it anyway. And she was so glad that she did. And it doesn't take a lot to make a big difference in someone else's life. Just reaching out by text, dropping off a meal, asking if you can pick something up from the grocery store. It doesn't have to be a huge gesture, and even those small things make a big difference. So I just think it's so important. And working on this film has made me realize that, and so I'm trying to do more of that in my life as well. Charity. Sandy pretty much uh, wrapped (laughs) up exactly what I would say, because even what seemed like very small things that other people were doing for me were life-saving. And whether it was bringing me a meal or donating $5 to a GoFundMe, just knowing that there were people out there who cared made me feel not so alone. And uh, yeah, I would say anything that you can do to help someone else, even if it feels small, it's it might not be seem small to them. Sandy Cummings and Charity Woodrum, thank you for talking to us about this. And it's a, a powerful film, folks. I've just seen the trailer, but I encourage you to go. Uh, if you want to know more, just check the show notes out. You can go to spacehopecharityfilm.com. You can go to charitywoodrum.com, tvstoryteller.com, and woodiesstars.org to get more information. cinemastlouis.org to catch the film at the St. Louis International Film Festival. Sandy and Charity, thank you very much for your time today and the amazing story and the amazing in- endurance and your ability to move through uh, difficult times. Uh, Sandy, thanks for telling the story. Charity, thanks for continuing to live the story. Thanks so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. 
That's all for this show, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can listen to additional shows at stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. And please consider leaving a review on Apple or Podchaser or your preferred podcast platform as your feedback helps us reach more listeners and continue to grow. Thanks to Bob Berthesell for our theme music and co-host Mark Langston. And we thank you for being a part of our community of curious minds. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. Remember to keep seeking, keep learning, walk worthy, and let your light shine. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.